Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. All right, welcome, welcome everybody, and thank you for listening today. Today is podcast number 10, so we are excited. Joey and I are really getting to know each other these days. We're the Herman London Studios are getting somewhere, and I think it might be time to get some studios maybe in Times Square or something, Joey, but uh, we've got a special guest in the studio today. This entire podcast today is going to be focused around our special guest. We have in the studios today Shannon Howard. And if you haven't heard of Shannon, you should have, but check her blog out. She's got a website, STL Homes with Soul, and she's a local realtor, and she's really active, and she's super smart. And we found her because her blog was rated one of the top five real estate blogs in St. Louis. And so welcome, Shannon. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Thank you very much, Adam. I'm happy to be here. Um, You're correct. I am a blogger. Um, I'm also a realtor with uh, Berkshire Hathaway Select. I specialize in vintage and unique properties in St. Louis. And uh, my blog actually focuses on uh, vintage and unique properties. I try to tell interesting stories about local real estate and uh, interesting architecture and uh, local history. So uh, definitely a passion of mine. And uh, being able to sell the real estate and write about it is just kind of a perfect mix for me. Okay. Well, let me ask you kind of maybe what's a basic question. You said you're a blogger, and I'm kind of wondering what that means. And for the audience, too, does does that mean you just like to write articles? Or what, what does it mean to be a blogger? Well, their blogs come in many different forms. Um, mine, basically, I, I go from a, a first-person perspective where I – um, I kind of cover what I like to write about. Okay. If I see a house that's appealing to me that I think is interesting or unique or has some sort of cool story that I'd like to tell, that's what I blog about. So you you do you look around on the MLS or do you look around, just drive around town, or how do you find these properties that you're going to write about? Um, definitely use the MLS uh, every day, always looking for interesting properties. But because I also deal with a lot of buyers – who are looking for unique properties. I also keep a unique homes database. And every time I'm out and about driving around St. Louis and I see an interesting property, I write it down, come back to my office, put it in the database. So I'm constantly pulling from different sources and and looking for interesting properties. And that's kind of interesting. You call it, you look for vintage and unique homes. Mm -hmm. And your blog is STL Homes with Soul. So what does soul mean and kind of what is inter- what is interesting to you? Is it the landscaping or the paint colors? I mean, I like a house that is not a cookie cutter house. Okay. Um, I personally, I would never want to live in a neighborhood where every house looks exactly the same. I think of a house uh, with soul as a place that, you know, someone put their heart and soul into it. Somebody put some extra thought and care into choosing the design of it or choosing the finishes inside of it or restoring it in a way that's really sensitive and uh, reflects the history of the house. Um, you know, I, people are always asking me, what do I, how do I define vintage? Yeah. I typically think of vintage um, as 1970s or earlier. Um, but at the same time, I, I do have a special place in my heart for 80s contemporary houses I like houses that are newer, that are just quirky or different or, you know, might have some a strange fountain inside or some interesting sculpture or unique 
paint or you know anything that's just a little bit different. So it can be architecture, it can be kind of interior design. Yes. It can be interesting furniture, I guess. Yes. Uh, did you see that article recently about the home that was, I guess, found and it was still the like pristine 1950s condition? Yes, I absolutely love those. Um, I write about those frequently on the blog when I find them. I call them time capsule houses. Uh-huh. I've been in quite a few. Um, I actually, um, last year, my husband and I found one that we tried to buy ourselves and got outbid, but it was a 1950s ranch with the original aqua blue kitchen uh-huh. that looked like it had just been installed yesterday. Wow. It was meticulous condition, and I just, I'm amazed at places like that. I love when they just haven't changed at all, and they're still in such beautiful shape. So being that you love those kind of properties, as a realtor, would you like to find a buyer who wants to buy that house and live in it how it is? Or do we just appreciate it before they tear it all out and throw some granite in there? Well, I tend to attract a lot of buyers who are looking for houses like that. Okay. And it's frequently a challenge because there are many people in St. Louis, including other realtors, who don't see value in those homes. Right. And immediately want to go and rip out that original vintage kitchen or that original pink and black bathroom. They, they assume that no one is interested in that. When in reality, I have a backlog of people who are just waiting for a property like that to come up. Okay. Um, but I've actually gotten in fights with other agents because they, you know, they're marketing a house as a teardown. Right. When I have people that are just dying to get in there and <laughs> save a house like that and preserve it exactly how it is. Right. Now, I will say I'm not going to make anybody feel bad if they want to come in and alter a house that I sell to them. That's sure. a personal choice. But I would say for the most part, I get people who who like the original. Well, let, let's, let me kind of ask a couple more questions about that 1950s house, for example. They, they had the, you know, the 1950s style countertops and flooring and all that thing, but they can't keep the dishwasher, right? I mean, that, does it even work? They, Every once in a while, I will get a client that is a purist and Uh wants the original dishwasher and wants the original stove and will change nothing. For the most part, though, I tend to work with buyers who want a balance. So it's kind of a mix. Aesthetically, they want the old, but functionally, they like to mix in new. So do they put stainless in there or stainless steel dishwashers kind of thing? They can. I mean, actually now it's kind of interesting. There are a number of companies that have popped up that create really amazing new reproductions. So kind of retro looking. Yes. So you can go buy a a retro looking refrigerator. You can go um, find stoves. There are places that sell, um, actually Formica sells uh, countertops that are in the original boomerang pattern. So there are oh. more and more companies now that are providing that, you know, serving that niche. Um, what is that niche? You said like you have a backlog of buyers who want to buy. What what does that what does that buyer call themselves? Like are they is that a hipster? Is that kind of a is there no word for it? No, honestly, I've I've met all kinds of people who who just appreciate that aesthetic. Uh, younger, uh-huh. older, you know, and I wouldn't say there's one word for all of them um is you know it called it just, kitschy is that is that kitsch i wouldn't say kitschy i would say more i like quirky okay better um or a retro you know a lot of people just really like a retro feel to the house they feel that it has more personality more character rather than 
a house where, you know, everything came from Home Depot or right off the shelf. They they just like that it has a little bit of character. So you you mainly find the homes that you are blogging about and that your buyers are interested in, I guess, by looking on the MLS or something. Uh-huh. I wish there was a way that the the seller knew what they had and they knew to call you, but I guess what happens is they don't know what they have. They think they have a teardown, so they just call the local top realtor or whatever. And mm-hmm. so Do you end up working with more buyers in that way than sellers? No, I, I'm actually pretty even, buyers and sellers, and I have worked with a number of sellers that have very interesting properties. Okay. Um, I had a really uh, interesting one last year that um, was actually an original 1840s log cabin that an artist from the City Museum had taken a second 1840s log cabin from somewhere else in the middle of Missouri, disassembled it, brought it back, merged the two cabins together to create this amazing modern 3,000-square-foot house. And, I mean, I would dare most people to find a house more interesting than that one. It, It was really very, very special. And I tended to attract buyers for that one that just were bowled over by the sheer uniqueness of it. Like you literally will never see a house like that ever again. So I, I get sellers like that too. So I noticed that I guess people are kind of Googling, you know, unique homes in St. Louis and vintage homes and they find you, right? Yes. I noticed on your blog, you know, kind of down on the right, I guess there's links to other types of blogs. Is there, is there sort of a community around this in St. Louis? Well, there's a group, um, modern STL that focuses on modernism in St. Louis and, um, you know, St. Louis has a really uh, rich history of uh, modernist architecture um, around the, the middle of the century. So that group focuses on that and preservation of homes like that, uh, because even though we do have this rich history in St. Louis, uh, there definitely is a preservation concern in terms of those mid-century homes being torn down. Okay. Um, I also on the sidebar of my blog, you'll see a link to STL chickens. Yeah. What's that? Well, I actually had a bunch of clients, buyers and sellers who were interested in raising chickens. I'm one of them. I want a chicken. I want a few chickens. I kept, you know, we have these 90 plus municipalities in St. Louis and I kept having people say, well, are chickens allowed here? Are they, can I have chickens? And we'd end up going and looking at the ordinances and I got kind of tired of doing that. So my sister is actually a web developer. Okay. And I said, you know what? Why don't I just sponsor a chicken website? And she worked for months and got together all the ordinances for every single municipality in St. Louis. Okay. And so that is kind of a community service that we That provide. is a chicken website. It is a chicken website. But I love working with buyers who are doing homesteading or, you know, having a mini farm or raising kind of like mm-hmm. that little suburban... A wonderland in their own backyard. I love working with people like that. So this was that just kind of fit in there perfectly with that. Good. Okay. I'm going to ask some questions that I'm almost embarrassed to ask you, right? But you mentioned that you have uh, there's a group in St. Louis called Modern STL, mm-hmm. which I picture modern, and I'm kind of picturing these like you know big spaces that are old warehouses, so there's still exposed brick and there's wood floors and there's like. You know, that's just kind of really clean, and there's like two chairs in the whole place, right? But that's not really modern, right? The modern, the way you say it, is from the 50s. Yes. Um, basically, it's, um, I mean, there are different philosophies that came out during that time, but one of the big focuses on uh, during that time in architecture was integrating the 
interior of a house with the outside. Okay. So having a seamless flow between the two. Okay. Having um, houses that were site built. They were specifically built for that location okay. and designed around that piece of land. Uh, and so a window might be positioned in a certain way just to capture that exterior view. And it was meant so that that exterior would feel like it was part of the interior. So okay. it's a common feature would be, you know, kind of a long, low, straight roof line. You might have a uh, a wall of windows. Um, Is it those atriums you see, you know, kind of in the middle of the house, you see this little, like, basically outside space? Is that part of the Not really. Letter? No, it would be more throughout the whole home. Okay. You know, okay. it would be where having views out each window that were carefully chosen for that. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright, even though he lived much earlier than this, he definitely influenced the mid-century architects. Okay. Because he had, um, you know, he went through a phase two where it was very much about integrating the inside and the outside. Um, there was specifically called Usonian architecture. Okay. And you'll see, you know, custom homes were built that were site-built, were, were much more specific to the, to the site and location. But we in St. Louis actually have... Numerous examples of of platted subdivisions uh-huh. where, you know, just like you'd go buy a new home today, you went and picked out the model, you, you know, you built your house. And um, several of those are just really designed for the um, same, like I was saying, integrating the inside and the outside, but they're done on a much more modest scale. So does the does it also kind of try to make the home from the outside sort of blend into the landscape? Is that part of it or not, not necessarily? In some cases, like a, a subdivision like Ridgewood is uh, Where's Ridgewood? a good example. It is in the Kirkwood area. Okay. And it is, uh, it's off a of big bend. But it is, um, you might see what are aggregate roofs. It's an old style roof that actually looks like sandpaper with gravel on top of okay. it. Okay. That's kind of a nod toward that. Okay. That, you know, it's a low, flat roof line and that aggregate is kind of looks kind of natural and kind of blends in with the surroundings but you're also going to see you know interesting lines in terms of the the shape of the house you know you might see vaulted facade you might see a zigzag roof line there aren't too many of those in st louis but those do exist um it's kind of a whimsical time it's kind of a an experience you know they're experimenting with different shapes with you know just different ways of living in a home okay so the type of people who are liking these homes appreciate the history appreciate i guess you you also talked a little bit about your blog about preservation yes is that kind of the idea of preserving that time and history but i i think you're also using in a in a, the words of finding an old building and instead of tearing it down and building a new one like let's preserve the space that exists right yes i, I mean i'm very much an advocate for preservation for a house, for me to recommend for an old house to be torn down, it's got to be in really, really, really bad shape. Okay. Because I just, I personally believe that they literally don't build them like they used to. The the quality of the materials, it's just unmatched today. Like we just literally can't afford to, you know, most people can't afford to build a house with the quality that was used in many of the older homes. 
Um, I love mid-century, but I also do love, you know, Victorian era homes. I love industrial style, Mm -hmm. old conversions. I'm a huge fan of using salvage materials whenever possible. All right. So I'm frequently helping people source places, you know, that they can go and find an original old door or transom hardware for transom windows. Or, um, you know, I I personally have salvaged uh, hardwood floors out of a house that was being torn down and reinstalled them in my own home. And that does that make like financial sense or is that just for the love of it? I mean, did that did that cost you like a lot more than it would have cost you just to go to Home Depot or did it save you money or it was not about the money? I'm guessing anyway. uh, Honestly, the the floors that we ended up salvaging, they were uh, red oak floors absolutely exceptional they had been in a home in Ladue under carpet since they were first installed so they were in perfect condition the big difference with them is that they came in lengths that you can't even purchase now okay well so we had like 16 foot length boards now you'll see hardwoods that are much more choppy and shorter length boards um to be honest it cost us two hundred dollars Okay. <laughs> to buy all of that wood, which okay. is a crazy, incredible bargain. But where you really get it is the labor because you have to pull nails from every single Okay. Board. So it's a labor of love, probably. Very you much guys do a lot of, of that love. yourself. Yes. And every nail you pulled, you felt good about yourself, right? Because you're preserving well, some Well, I can't old claim wood. that I pulled all the nails. I think we paid our <laughs> nephew a nickel a nail and he got to do that. But Okay. Yeah. Well, he's learning too. You mentioned salvage. Is there. I think I've seen I've sort of spoken to different companies in St. Louis that that do I guess salvage right there. There are quite a few actually. There, um, one of them that I've had really good luck at. They've been there forever. It's called Felons Antiques. That's F E L L E N Z um, down on Euclid. They just have an incredible array of old woodwork and windows and doors and. Oh, so you can go there and buy a window. It's oh, not yeah. just like a curio cabinet or oh, something. Oh, it's it's actually all house parts. Oh, it does. Okay. Every once in a while, they'll have a piece of furniture, but like fireplace mantles or, again, transom hardware, hinges. Those are, you know, just house parts. Um, there's a new place or newer place called Refab that's down in South City that has a really wide array of interesting materials. Where do you think they're getting this stuff? Well, a lot of times you have contractors that are hired to put in a new kitchen. They have to go somewhere with those old cabinets. Right. Um, so uh, Habitat for Humanity runs uh, the ReStore. Right. There are a couple of those in St. Louis. And, you know, a lot of people get a tax write-off for donating old materials. Um, I know I've personally been contacted by people who want me to take things from them. Uh-huh. Um, I got called last year. Uh, by somebody that said, we have these amazing 1950s vanities, and if you don't come get them right now, they're going to go in the garbage. And you said, I'll drop what I'm doing, and I'm on my way. I right. did. So I took my husband's truck, and we went out there in the middle of the snow. And, yeah, and I, I mean, I just ended up giving them away to someone else. But I just hate to see a piece that is one of a kind you're never going to find again just going in the garbage. So there's probably a lot of people that are you know buying an older property, planning on rehabbing it, and they're just throwing the stuff away that mm-hmm. they could be not, and they're probably paying someone actually to throw it away for them to yes. do the labor to demo. They could actually be making money if they would call you or call one of these stores and mm-hmm. they would come out and say, Hey, I'll give you a lot of money if mm-hmm. I could take those old doorknobs, mm-hmm. for example. Well, I, yeah, I just, just at my own home this past week, I had a new countertop installed. We actually have to pay like $35 to have them throw that in a landfill for you. Right. 
it's perfectly good countertop. Somebody else could use it. So that's the type of thing I would donate, like, to the ReStore. To the ReStore, right. Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of countertop did you get? It, it, I actually, um, we ended up going with laminate. I am not a granite countertop okay. fan, uh, as you might imagine. But we did um, a really um, special order for mica that is made to look like stone. Okay. But it's this. It's called 180FX. And it's some sort of new technology that Formica developed that allows large-scale printing. So, like, they actually have a variety of one that is meant to look like a 100-year-old slice of walnut. Okay, wow. Um, and that's what you got? That's oh, you we, got the- Yeah, we got the stone one. But they just have a lot of options that are meant to look, you know, they, they definitely fool the eye. Let's just say that. I imagine your house to look kind of like a vintage museum or something. You have just, like, all sorts of unique, interesting things to look at. Well, I, I, up until recently, I lived in a, a 1902 Victorian parsonage uh-huh. and very, uh, definitely very eclectic, lots of artwork, lots of treasures, and salvage and things that we've gathered. Um, my husband and I decided to pare down recently and go to a, a smaller home. So I'm now living in a brick ranch, which is okay. much lower maintenance. I'm very thrilled about that. Um, but yeah, we, we like to collect things. My husband actually has a a cabinet in our in our old uh, house. He used to like to dig up things in our backyard. Okay. Because old houses, uh, many old houses predate trash service. Oh wow! So what did people do when there was not trash service available? They created a burn pile in their backyard. Oh wow! So when we first bought our house and started digging up the yard for gardening, we kept finding all these pockets of treasures. Oh wow! So my husband ended up getting a uh, metal detector and digging up all kinds of things and has a whole cabinet wow. filled with all the junk from her backyard. Okay. You're like, oh, okay, honey, yeah, that'd be a great place for that in the basement. Yeah. Or maybe it's a garage. <laughs> or maybe maybe it's some of it's cool stuff. Uh-huh. Well, what is one of your biggest pet peeve in some of the renovations that you see? And here's an example, right? I just bought a house recently and I um, we kind of did a little rehab to it and you know, we had hardwood floors that were one color, and we had the baseboards that were another color, and the walls obviously were a different color. And for the look to really look great in there, we should really take those baseboards and the wood around the doors, and we should paint them white, and it would really pop, you know. But I'm so hesitant to do it because I know people like you would come into my house when I have it for sale in a couple of years, and you'd say, oh, my gosh, this guy, what, is he, what was he thinking painting this good old would with all the character and charm, right? Is that is that a pet peeve, or is there other pet peeves that you see in renovations? I'd say I'm I'm kind of mixed on on that one. Um, I had the white trim myself. Mm-hmm. Tried tried it natural. Didn't like how it looked. Right. But in my case, it was trim that was uh, not anything particularly special. Okay. Um, I would say I don't really care for it if there's a house that has like absolutely beautiful original doors with beautiful wood grain on it, really, really special. To paint something like that kind of breaks my heart. Okay. I hate to see that. Um, you know, I, I just, I like I said, I love quality. I love vintage quality. And to see a vintage piece pulled from a home and then replaced with some fiberboard piece from a big box store, right. that kind of makes me sad um, because it's just just literally not the same quality. Um I don't know, though. You know, I'm, I understand that you're not living in a museum. 
it's a home and so people have to customize it to their needs but I have to admit I I have showed houses before that have had original absolutely amazing 50s bathrooms with uh-huh. the tile yeah uh, I showed one a couple of years ago that the people had actually owned a tile company in the 50s oh, wow. so these were like the top of the line most gorgeous bathrooms you've ever seen and when I walk in and my buyers are saying oh I'd rip that out on day one I just kind of have to cover my ears and like, okay, well, walk let's go away. look at a different house. I'm going to buy this house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so do you don't you don't have necessarily a biggest pet peeve? No, I don't think so. I mean, I just hate when a house has been destroyed, when it hasn't been loved and cared for, and they've just ripped things out carelessly. Um, like down in the city, there are so many beautiful homes in the city with such great original character. And it kind of breaks my heart to walk in and see all the moldings are gone and mm-hmm. all the characters stripped away. And right. that just kind of makes me sad. But So you say there's kind of a movement in St. Louis for the preservation, their salvage and all this kind of stuff. I'm, I guess I want to ask, what role can realtors play in you know preserving the unique, preserving the amazing homes that we have? What roles can we play? Well, I think it's, it's really a, about education having realtors themselves become more educated and also being able to educate their clients to let them know that there is a market for these types of properties and not just in St. Louis, all over the country. And ironically, there are people from other parts of the country who watch St. Louis real estate very carefully because of how exceptional some of our mid-century architecture is. Wow, okay. Um, they we're we're really thought highly of by many many people. Um, I just received an email the other day from a guy in Boston. He's obsessed over St. Louis real estate. He'll really? never move here. He just thinks we have the most incredible eclectic vintage architecture he's ever seen. So the best thing a realtor can do is kind of, I guess, educate themselves. So when we do go into a house, we don't think look at this old kitchen. This needs to be trashed, mm-hmm. and let's just put it in the trash. Mm-hmm. They can think. This is a this is a fifty style kitchen. Uh, there's a lot of people that would appreciate this. Well, I, I just that I think that instantly wanting to market as market it as a rehab or a teardown. Uh-huh. I think people need to step back and realize that is not always the case. Not everyone wants granite countertops and stainless steel appliances. Right. There is a market for other for other materials, and I just think if realtors understand that, maybe then they're not giving advice to their clients that, you know, oh, your home is terrible and everything has to be torn out. It it doesn't always have to be that way. Especially, oh, you've lived here like this for a long time. Before we list it, you need to do this and this and this. Yes. I've Don't. heard that from many sellers that I've gone and met with. They've said, oh, I, there was an agent here before, and they told me they wouldn't even list the house until I gutted the kitchen or I gutted the bathroom and it's in good condition. I don't understand why I have to pull it out. <laughs> I guess, you know, not all realtors are made equally, and some of them probably don't have the love for the real estate or the architecture or whatever. You know, they they might just like the sales part of it or something. Okay, so you're on the St. Louis County Historic Buildings Commission? Yes. You're. What does that mean? You're a board member on there? Um, no. What it is, it is the um, – it's a board that um, St. Louis County has – that does have, um, I, I think the term is, uh, we're statutory advisors okay. to the county council. Okay. Um, it's a, you have to be appointed to the board by the county executive, uh, and I was appointed by Charlie Dooley. So he found your blog. Charlie Dooley reads your blog. 
Uh, no, actually, Esley Hamilton is an, an incredible asset to the St. Louis community. He is the county's historian. He works for St. Louis County. Oh, okay. He is just an absolute wealth of knowledge about St. Louis architecture and St. Louis history. And he and I had been in contact over the years. I used to run a really popular blog about North County and, and did a lot of research on homes up there. And so I became friends with Esley. And I, I told him I would love to be on the board, and I got appointed. So what do you do in that role? What I guess I'm curious. I don't quite understand yet. What does the County Historic Building Commission do? I guess if a historic property comes up, you guys give your advice to them about what to do with it? Yes. Or? Is that what it is? Uh, it, uh, an example of, of an issue that we've been dealing with lately uh, is the uh, Lewis and Clark branch of the St. Louis County Library. Okay. It is a mid-century modernist building. Is that the one at Lindbergh and no. Where is that? Uh, no, it's up on uh, 367 and Chambers up okay. in North County, okay. uh, Moline Acres. And it has amazing, one-of-a-kind stained glass in it. And it's just kind of a boxy, classic modernist design. And... Yeah, it is uh, St. Louis County Library Board voted to demolish it. It's, okay. it's part of their uh, long-term plan to tear it down. Well, as preservationists, our concern is to preserve, preserve. and keep buildings of significance. And so in the, the, the commission's role, basically, we went to the, to the county executive and, and to the county council and said, we believe this is a building of merit. We you know, have, were able to provide... Uh, backup from experts around the country to attest to the, you know, the, the relevance and importance of this building, and and we don't have any control over where that goes after we provide that information. We ad- we provide the advice, and sometimes it goes our way, and sometimes it doesn't. So, best case scenario, they would keep the building, they would maintain it, and. They would keep it as a library or whatever. You don't yes. necessarily, get necessarily care, I guess, what they're using it for. Worst case scenario, would they be able to take, you know, the stained glass out of there and put it somewhere else? Well, uh, unfortunately, it looks like that's probably what's going to happen, um, that they will remove the stained glass and they will install it in the new building. Um, All those put in the new building. Well, to my knowledge, though, it, it won't be ex- installed on the exterior of the building like it is now. It will be on the inside of the building, but not even illuminated. So it becomes kind of hard to appreciate it. It's just going to kind of collect dust in the yeah, corner. And... Without light shining through. Plus, you know, there is something to be said about a piece of art like that being displayed in its original context right. as the architect envisioned it. And in that case, you know, you're just kind of getting a piece of, of what was intended. It sounds like there's a ton of kind of historic buildings in St. Louis even the St. Louis County, you know, I always think of St. Louis County as being newer, St. Louis City as being much older, but I guess it's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of at least 50, 60, 70-year-old buildings in the county. Oh, my goodness. Well, actually, um, the Florissant area and the Spanish Lake area in North County um, are are just as old uh-huh. as the city of St. Louis. Okay. And so Florissant, you know, founded in the late 1700s. So there are very, very old buildings right. in the county, certainly. If there's someone that's interested in helping you kind of with your cause, right, mm-hmm. is there some website that they should go to to you know, sign a petition or anything like that? Is there something they should look into doing? How I can believe they help you? Modern STL had some kind of petition going for the Lewis and Clark Library. 
we don't really do that with the with the building commission but i would right. say if you have an interest in preservation there are numerous historical societies throughout st louis okay um kirkwood webster uh, florissant they all have a group that gets together and talks about preservation concerns and i would say especially if you are younger and have an interest in in this please get involved because i tend to show up and i'm frequently the youngest person at all of these meetings so i would love to have some younger people because you know if if these buildings aren't protected uh, for future generations and younger people aren't getting involved in this then you know that's kind of a shame exactly once the the use of the world are stopped fighting then the person who wants to just tear it down and build a big box store or whatever there. Well, I do have my five questions. Okay. So I, li- I like to ask everyone these five questions. And if you don't mind, I probably should have asked these at the beginning. But I'm just going to zoom through these, all right? Okay. So Shannon Howard, five questions. Shannon, who lives under your roof? My beloved husband of uh, 25 years, okay. um, Keith. And I have two rescued pit bulls. Beautiful. I and, love pit bulls. And, and a cat. And a cat. So that's it. Okay. They live under your roof. Mm-hmm. And where are you your best? And you can kind of take that wherever you want, but where are you your best? Well, um, I was a, a professional writer for 17 years, so I love being able to combine my passion for real estate with being able to write. Uh-huh. So I think my blog is kind of a perfect marriage of that. Actually, I, I love working on it and I wish I had more time to work right. on it because the real estate part of my job frequently takes more time uh, than the writing. Sometimes you got to be out showing properties and exactly. make a living, right? Okay, so you'd say you're at your best kind of when you are you know, digging into a new property to write about mm-hmm. for your blog. I love, I mean, I love working with buyers, but I absolutely love listing a really special, unique property and being able to tell the story of that property and, and present it in the best light possible and, and get, ex, get people, get buyers excited about what the seller first saw in that property right. when they bought it. I bet if you list a property that kind of fits into these categories we've talked about, I bet you have no problem selling it. Because you know a lot of people who are interested in it. Well, I think a perfect example, I I sold a house last September in Old North. And that's a neighborhood that a lot of people might be a little bit afraid of. But this place was absolutely incredible. My seller had literally rescued it from demolition, built it completely from top to bottom, three-story complex overlooking the arch and downtown and all exposed brick walls and 13-foot ceilings and... You know, he he put his heart and soul into that, and to me, that's such an honor to be able to to take that property and and sell it out to somebody else with that same kind of passion that the seller had. Well, who better to to list it than someone who can appreciate the property, right? Absolutely. Okay, what is your favorite blog or podcast? Other than my own, can I say my own or soul? Sorry, Um, I actually like. um, This isn't. Actually, well, like, yeah, it's technically a blog. I like a, a one, um, oh gosh, now, it's going to slip right off my head. It's Sorry, okay. my blog. It's a, uh, it's a renovation blog, retro renovation. Retrorenovation.com? I uh, believe that's what it is, yeah. Is it a blog or a podcast It's or a both? blog, and it's, um, basically they highlight a really cool 
uh, vintage properties that have been renovated, and but they also provide great resources for materials that oh, okay. people want to use. So yeah, retro renovation. And is that like a nationwide blog? Uh huh. Yeah, they cover okay. all over the country. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll have to check it out. And this is kind of a funny one. What is your guilty pleasure when you're not writing about homes of soul? Um, I do love my dogs. Your dogs? Uh, yeah, we uh, love going walking with my dogs and. We travel with them, and we do agility with them. And What's uh, that? Uh, agility training. It's a, a course that's set up like an obstacle course for a dog. Okay. And pit bulls tend to be really high-energy dogs, and right. if you don't exercise with them, they get really freaked out. So I think anytime I can have a day off and just spend it with my husband and my dogs, that's You make me want to start best. a whole new podcast about dogs because I love dogs too, <laughs> and the whole concept of you know, keeping the dog engaged and interested and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. We could talk about that forever. All right. And last question today, our last question of my five, and probably the last question of today is, who's your mentor and how have you thanked them? Well, um, my mentor was uh, someone that I knew for many years beforehand. Uh, his name is Pierce Nykirk, and he's a, he's been a realtor in North County for 30 years. He... Uh, I let him know that I had, was kind of thinking about leaving my writing career and moving into real estate, and he strongly encouraged me, and at the time, he had just started his own brokerage, and so basically, it wound up to be me and him. Okay. Uh, it's called Pierce Nykirk and Partners, and I was kind of the partner. The partners. <laughs> and uh, Is Pierce still around selling real estate? He is still around. Okay. He's based in Ferguson, and uh, I just feel incredibly fortunate. Uh, it was like having just my own private coach right. for my first year of real estate. And I learned so much from him. Um, he is not only a good realtor, but just a person of integrity and taught me so much. And yes, I have thanked him numerous times. And I, we're still dear friends and just love him to death. Was Pierce into the vintage and unique properties too? Or did he just kind of teach you the real estate business? Well, being based in Ferguson, it's hard to not like vintage homes okay. because we have such amazing architecture there. So Pierce definitely appreciates that. But I think there are also parts of it that he didn't understand and I had to explain. And uh, I think he got it a little bit more uh, the, the further we went on. Okay. I, you know, I always like to ask, how have you thanked your mentor? Because I think we all have mentors and we're, it's like, oh, I owe them my life. You know, I owe them my whole career type of thing. And, it's it's tough to know how to best thank them. You know, I'm sure Pierce, if he listens to this podcast, he'll be honored to have been mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. by you and that you're still thinking of him. So how can people get a hold of you? Tell us your URL one more time, your phone mm-hmm. number if you want to, sure. that kind of stuff. Um, well, my blog is stlhomeswithsoul, S-O-U-L, dot com. Um, you can find me on my Berkshire Hathaway website at shannonhoward.net. And my phone number is 314 314- Three five nine five nine two seven. Give her a call for all your vintage and unique home needs. Right. That's all right. All right. Great. Thanks, Shannon. I appreciate you coming on the show today. All right. Thanks a lot, Anna. Thank you.